Welcome back to Health Bite, my podcast where I offer you small, actionable bites towards healthy weight and weight management through greater mental, emotional, and physical well-being. I'm your host, Dr. Adrian Udim, and I created this podcast as an alternative to the noise to offer you knowledge-based guidance in the areas of nutrition, fitness, habit change, and mindset that I use with my patients in my medical practice every day to help them achieve healthy weight and health. As you know, I often talk about mindset, mental state, thoughts and emotions on this podcast as we talk about health, habit change, and weight loss. And while I'm a Western physician, prescribing physician, often prescribing medications for weight loss, I am all too aware of the role that our mental state plays on our ability to engage in effective change. And I'm reminded of this all the time as a practicing physician. I see the patterns that come up with patients over and over again. And for this reason, bring them here to you on this podcast so that you can learn from my experiences, their experiences, and what really ends up being a universal set of experiences. These are thoughts and emotions that we all have from time to time. And whether we're talking about weight loss or habit change or goals that we have in other aspects of our lives, these universal thoughts, emotions, and habitual patterns come up and they get in our way. One of those patterns that I saw quite a bit this week, and I'm always intrigued and amused by how things play out in patterns in my office. Sometimes it turns out that I have the same conversations in, within a week with patients over and over again. And while I swear it's because what they're bringing to the table, I often wonder if it's what I'm bringing to the table, whether it's something that I am thinking myself that somehow um, flavors the conversation with the patient. But one of those patterns that came up this week was the way in which we choose to hold some of these changes in mind and how they impact our ability to adhere. So for example, exercise is a really common one. I have found, particularly during the holiday season where our routines are not normal, maybe we're traveling, holiday parties are starting, and so maybe we're not sleeping as much because we're out, or for whatever reason, our routines are thrown off a bit, that exercise is the first thing to fall off the wayside. And I usually like to use the word movement because I know that the word exercise in and of itself holds some negative thoughts and emotions, some negative connotations that makes us resistant to doing it. But there is a lot of resistance when we think about physical activity. And what my patients have told me repeatedly over the course of this week is, oh, I couldn't get myself to do the work. I couldn't get myself to get up in the morning. And it's so it's such hard work. It's always, physical activity is always phrased in terms of work or punishment or difficulty. And while it is difficult sometimes to get ourselves moving, because inertia is 
strong, you know, to get us up and moving, we often apply these negative thoughts and emotions around exercise that we don't even believe. So I often start this conversation with my patients asking them, is that really how you feel about moving your body? Why don't you tell me, why don't we go through some of the associations that you really have? What are some of the feelings that you have when you are physically active? And the starts, the sorts of things that start to come up, the sorts of descriptions are things like clarity of mind, mindfulness, feeling of relief from the mental chatter, getting out of my mind and into my body, feeling good to stretch my body, feeling good to move my body, enjoying the breathing process and oxygenating my body. Oh, I feel my blood is circulating and that feels good. I think I mentioned this, but I feel like my funk has gone away. Uh, My anxiety is less. My irritability is less. I forgot what I was upset about. There are all these positive associations and positive consequences that come from moving our bodies. And they're related to our physical health, but very much related to our mental, emotional health and well-being. And yet, when we think about exercise, physical activity, movement, we always pose it in a way that is negative to the self. We always pose it with this negative stance that it is work, that it is punishment, that it's something I have to do. And when we think about things negatively and in that way, it becomes a form of resistance. It becomes a deterrent to actually doing the thing, the very thing that makes us feel good. So I want to remind you that how you hold things in mind matters. The way in which you describe things, the words that you use to describe habits and activities matter because you can create a negative lens on something that you actually enjoy and prevent yourself from engaging in that just by the way that you describe it. So the next time that you are about to get up and go for a walk or go for a hike or go for a run or do something, a stretch, a yoga, something to move your body. I want your, I want you to check yourself and think about how you are holding that activity in mind. And is it even true? Is the Are the words that you're using to describe this activity and this movement really in alignment with how you truly feel? And if not, then rewire your words, rethink the words that you're using to describe this activity or this movement. Better yet, I want you to be proactive. So what I'm going to suggest that you do is do this exercise that I did with several of my patients this week in the office. Take out a piece of paper, think of an activity that you have enjoyed in the past. Hiking is a great one because it's It's moving your body, it's exertional, but it's also very much connected with uh, the outdoors and with nature. Write down all the ways in which you describe this activity and how you feel around them. You'll find probably that those descriptors are all positive. You'll probably find that even the quote negative descriptors like exertion or hard work is also positive because something about doing that exertion, engaging in that exertion, accomplishing that work, 
overcoming that difficulty and finding yourself at the peak or the summit or the top of the hill feels really good. That sense of knowing your body can stretch and overcome your mental inhibitions results in a really positive and expansive feeling. So what I want you to do is pull out a piece of paper and start to write these descriptors, these phrases, these emotions. Use it as a free association exercise in which you describe all the ways in which moving your body actually feels. And I want you to tuck that somewhere close by. Maybe you put it under your phone so that in the morning when your alarm goes off, you remember. Maybe you put it on your laptop as a screensaver or as a post-it note so that you can read through that list before you end your workday as a means to motivate yourself to actually engage in that physical activity that you promised yourself to do. And in doing so, you remind yourself of the benefits of this work and you create a deterrent to using those negative associations that don't even jive with the work, with the activity that you're doing. So the take-home message here is, once again, your mindset matters. The way you hold things in mind matters. The words and therefore the feelings that you associate with certain activities matter. And they can be so important that they can actually deter you from doing the very thing that is in your best interest. So use your words wisely. I want to give you another example of this in terms of your food and what you choose or how you choose to nourish your body. We use the same kinds of words with negative connotations when we talk about wholesome, nutritious food. We use restrictive words. We use punishing words. So for example, having a salad or having, you know, lots of fruits and vegetables, which by the way, have tons of vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, forget the fact that they're low calorie and high volume and they fill your stomach and help you fill up without filling up in calories. These foods have so much nutrition. They are so replete with nutrients that they are serving your body in ways that go far beyond your weight. And yet, when we think about eating a salad, we think about it as punishment or we think about it as restrictive. Whereas when we think about uh, foods that are decadent, indulgent, typically these foods are high in fat, high in calories, high in sugar, high in salt, all things that when consumed in excess are not beneficial to our bodies. As I've mentioned in prior podcasts, consuming these decadent indulgent foods actually don't feel good to the mind either. So foods that are heavy and filled with all of these things, fat, salt, sugar, calories, will leave us feeling full, bloated, uh, lethargic, irritable. Why do they call it a sugar crash? Because when you have a sugary food, you get this surge of energy and dopamine from the sugar high. 
And then your body releases insulin to manage that sugar in the blood, and then you crash. And that crash is associated with negative feelings, not only in your body, like feeling tired and lethargic, but also in your mind, feeling irritable and anxious, sometimes even depressed when consumed regularly. And again, this is not to vilify consuming these foods. We're heading into the holiday season where we're going to have more celebrations. People are pulling out old recipes of, quote, comfort food. And so it's fine to engage in these foods mindfully. But when we think about these indulgences, not only a treat, but we feel like it's owed to us to have these indulgent foods on the regular these are allowances, whereas those other foods like lean proteins and fruits and vegetables are considered punishment and restriction when it's not even aligned with how we really think and feel. So again, I do a practice with my patients and I have them really write it out. Let's really think about what happens when you have a wholesome meal that you've prepared on your own that is filled with nutritious foods like fruits and vegetables, like lean proteins, like high fiber, high quality carbohydrates. How do you feel? Nourished, sated, balanced, even, energized, focused. All of these positive associations come up. Okay. What happens when you have a really heavy meal followed by a decadent dessert? How do you feel then? irritable, tired, full, lethargic, I have reflux, bloated, I need to unbutton my pants. Again, this is not to judge. This is to really be mindful about how we feel. And so if the case is that when we eat these foods, we feel good in our minds, in our bodies. And when we eat decadent, indulgent, heavy foods, we feel we have all these negative associations in terms of how we feel or not even associations, but true feelings in our body, then why do we choose to consistently talk about wholesome food in a way that it's negative, punishing and restrictive and choose to talk about decadent indulgent foods in the way that is celebratory and joyful and in doing so deter ourselves from making the right choices for ourselves. Our words our thoughts, and how they make us feel matter in terms of our actions and in terms of our durability and being able to make healthy changes sustainable over time. If you are consistently going against yourself by eating good, wholesome food, if you're consistently telling yourself that this food is punishing, how long is that going to last? How long are you going to be able to overcome that resistance with grit and willpower and discipline? Eventually, it's going to fail. The only way that you can make durable change sustainable and lifelong is if your actions are in alignment with your beliefs with your thoughts and in your emotions. If you genuinely believe that you are doing the right thing for your body by eating nourishing wholesome food and by moving it, then you are much more likely to do it over the long run. If you consistently feel that you are being victimized, punished, restricted by doing the right thing for your body, you're eventually going to give out. 
your willpower and your discipline are going to give out. To piggyback that last exercise, I want you to do the same thing for your food. I want you to think of a your last really wholesome, nourishing meal. Write down a list of attributes of how you felt when you ate that way. And then I want you to think of your last really decadent meal. We're a few weeks out of Thanksgiving, and I have to say we went to two family Thanksgivings back to back, and I ate really decadent food, not at the first one, but by the second one. I shouldn't have even eaten again, but I did, and it was decadent, and I felt god-awful. I'm not judging that I did that. I'm fine that I did it. This is not a moral judgment on eating a lot. This is just being really honest and truthful about how my body felt after I had too much decadent food. My body really didn't feel good. And it carried into my sleep and it carried into how I felt the next day. So write a list about how you felt in your body after you ate a really decadent meal. And then you choose how you choose to describe these two patterns of eating. You choose what you want to say about it. And next time you are considering a meal, be mindful of the words that you choose, the associations that you choose in regards to the food that you're going to eat. If you regard wholesome, nutritious food in a negative way, you are invariably creating resistance and you are not going to want to do it. Your words, your thoughts, your feelings matter in terms of your actions. I hope that this was a helpful uh, reminder with some practical guidance and exercises in how you can not only examine your uh, habits in terms of how you think about and approach food and activity, but also some practical guidance on how you can notice the alternative and reinforce the alternative narrative, the alternative voice in your head that will impact how you move forward with these changes going forward. If this podcast was helpful to you, I would love it if you go on to wherever you are, whatever platform you are listening to, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, write a five-star review, letting us know why you love our podcast and why it was helpful. Wishing you a super happy holiday season, a happy and healthy week, and I look forward to seeing you again right here next week on Health Bite. Until then, bye now.